have with you the notes for tonight because that leads into our subject matter for tonight on the book of Acts. We've come to volume uh, six tonight. We have been looking at the different stages, the different volumes. In Acts chapter one, we're going to be spending time in the book of Acts. Acts chapter one says in verse one, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, Jesus, as we're going to see here, With these words right here, we enter into a new stage of history and of doctrine. They are words which connect it with the past. The founding of the church on earth is presented as one continuous work beginning by the Lord in person and perfected by the same Lord through the ministry of his followers. He was counting on them. Notice the word... Verse 1, all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. You see, the Gospels did not deliver to us all that Jesus did and taught. It began the process. There was so much more to speak about, about Jesus' life, about his ministry, about what he accomplished. And as we'll see, the authority has continued, but the method has changed. And that brings us to volume 6. We're looking at the different volumes in which uh, those key times in which God has, has spoken through his word to us and put it down for us in the revealed word of God that we have. We've seen the promise, we've seen the law, we've seen poetry, we've seen prophets, we've seen the gospels. Now we have the book of Acts. We'll end with, with uh, the letters and then, we'll end, then the final week we'll talk about the book of Revelation and how it fits in to all of the whole picture of the understanding of Scripture. Genesis to the end, cover to cover. Same theme, different methods. Now as we come to the book of Acts, as you'll see in your notes in the front page, it's predominantly history. It's predominantly history, the doing, but there's also important doctrine, teaching. Particularly the the message preached by the church in its expansion. Books of Act, Book of Acts is predominantly history, but there's also important doctrine, particularly the message preached by the church in its expansion. And, and the amazing thing about the Book of Acts is that the world is turned upside down with the teaching and ministry of the, of the apostles. And what was it that really turned their world upside down? What was it that turned the, the timid, fearful disciples into powerful ambassadors for Christ? Acts 1 verse 8 is the answer. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what the disciples were in the Gospels is one thing. 
They were with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. They were under his teaching. They saw what Jesus did. They at times were empowered by the Spirit and, and performed miracles and did other things. But their real power came when we come to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, in which the Spirit of God indwelt them. That's why they turned the world upside down. Not anything that they all of a sudden just got this surge or saying, you know what, we need to start stepping up, guys. Come on, Jesus is gone. That wasn't it. Without the power of the Spirit of God, they would have fallen flat on their face just like they did in the Gospels. That's the only difference. But it's a pretty significant difference. The guidance of the apostles by their Lord was not occasional, but it was habitual, not through separate interventions, but through the Holy Spirit living in them. And so we come to the five questions that we, that's what we're doing as we look at these volumes. Question one is the need. Why do we have, need this volume? Why do we need the book of Acts? Why did God include the book of Acts in his scriptures? What message would the church have to present to the world? Is it the message of John the Baptist? No. Was it the message of Jesus prior to the cross? No. No. The message was of Jesus' post-resurrection ministry. That's what it comes out with right at the gates in verse 1 through 4 of chapter 1. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. He showed themselves to these men and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. It's his post-resurrection ministry. That's the message that the church was going to present to the world. The post-resurrection ministry is only a small part of the four Gospels when we think of the Gospels and we think of the, of the, the amount of content that was in the Gospels. The post-resurrection ministry is a very small part of the, of the Gospel writings. Really, very few chapters. In some cases, only one chapter. In some cases, only a few verses. But note the distinct teaching in the passages there, just the same. We've got to go back a little bit. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, very familiar verses. Post-resurrection ministry. Matthew 28, this is what Jesus did with that time that he had. In verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, therefore go, or while you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you look at John chapter 20, we'll just take that other gospel, John chapter 20, verse 21 Ah, there it is. I was in 21. Okay. Chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, this is a post-resurrection appearance here. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. See, we have a different emphasis, but a different message than what he taught prior to the cross. He says, I have now given the message to you. You need to pass it on. It's a different emphasis. The task is Defined very clearly, however, it's proclaim. Proclaim. Proclaim Jesus to the ends of the worlds. The culmination of the post-resurrection ministry we find here in Acts 1.8. The message was clear. Be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. Proclaim. Preach. Evangelize. Any of those words. 
Well, what exactly are they going to say? Jesus is giving them um, and telling, instructing them to proclaim Jesus. He's, he's, uh, he's telling them to go be his witnesses. That's why we have it here. That's part of the need here. We have the post-resurrection ministry of Jesus lived out through his disciples. That's why we need volume uh, six. But what's the content? What are they going to preach about? Well, we've already seen it. Acts chapter one, verse one. Let's go back there again. Acts chapter one, verse one. Luke says here, the writer of Acts, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Well, who's doing the action? Well, they're really the acts of the risen Christ. They're the acts of the risen Christ. When we think of the book of Acts, it's the acts of the risen Christ. All that he began to do and to teach, he's now passing that on in in this volume, volume six. Now, I need to stop here just for a moment as we talk about the content before we look at some of these passages here. Um, there's a key word that we must understand. Don't, um, uh, let me see, how do I want to say this? Don't overemphasize this, but neither should we underemphasize it. It is the word transition. When we're talking about content, I need to say a few things about content. You don't have it in your notes. You just have maybe a blank or something, and you're just going to have to find uh, where to write this if you choose to write it. But a key word in the book of Acts, we must think transition if we are to understand the book of Acts. Acts is transitional. We get into all kinds of doctrinal confusion when we fail to see the uniqueness in the life of the church as recorded for us in the book of Acts. Not saying it's less authoritative, understand me on this. Not saying there isn't stuff there for us to grab, not saying that at all. But we must understand that there was a transition from the time when when the disciples did not have the Spirit of God living within them, indwelling them, till Jesus ascending and then the Spirit of God indwelling them. There's a transition there. We come in on the the fact that once we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, many, many years later, the Spirit of God at that moment, at that moment, comes and lives within us. We, We enter into the picture there. We hadn't walked with Jesus on earth for many, for a few years there and seen his ministry and then stepped into the Spirit of God indwelling us. We didn't have that. We're on this side of it. The disciples are on both sides of it. And learning about the indwelling of the Spirit. That's significant. It's transitional. We just get a lot of confusion. There's a change that takes place from the facts of the gospel to the building of the church. And we got to kind of put it together a little bit um, as we understand this change. It's a change from Christ walking with the disciples to the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We must distinguish then... We must distinguish then between what is descriptive, and some of you may disagree with me on this. That's okay. It wouldn't be the first time, but I'm giving it to you anyway. We must make a distinction as we look at the book of Acts to what is descriptive and what is prescriptive. We get messed up on this. There are descriptive um, uh, storyline, narration of what happened in the early church. They're descriptive. They're saying, this is what happened in the early church. 
And we, when we say, okay, well, then that must be descriptive of us today too. No, it's prescriptive. There are principles for us to grab, but it's not going to look the same way. Remember, and I think I spent time on this way back when we talked about the progress of redemption and we came to the book of Acts, but it just bears repeating a little bit that the unique experiences of the Holy Spirit coming upon them We could look at them, but I'm just not going to take the time to do that tonight. The unique experience, and there's four of them, in which the Holy Spirit comes upon the church or believers is very unique. It's descriptive of what happened for those believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, many today make those prescriptive. They say, well, that's what happened then. It needs to happen now. Not necessarily true. We get in a lot of trouble there. Not, not necessarily true at all. They're descriptive of what took place when the, holy, when, the, when the early church, when the early church didn't have the Spirit of God indwelling them yet, they didn't understand that concept, than what we have today. So it's prescriptive of what we gather from Acts. Not necessarily um, supposed to be identical to. But the principle's there. There's things we're supposed to grab, the things we're supposed to understand about the early church that we're to say, ah, we should be that way. And that we're going to look at some of those things. Okay, did, did, did that make sense or did I just totally confuse you? Totally confused you? Oh, made sense, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> any, any, anything, because I'm, I'm going to go on to the notes here. All right. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about content. Let's talk about content a little bit. Um, In this big section of Acts chapter 1 verse 12 through Acts chapter 4 verse 30, it tells us of the content of the book of Acts. It shows us a lot of things. I'm just going to give you a sample. Okay, Follow along with me. Chapter 2 verse 33. Acts chapter 2 verse 33. This is part of of the message. that Peter's giving, he says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we, oh, that's verse 32, we are all witnesses of the fact, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. And so Peter's saying, he, Jesus, has poured out what you now see and hear, that's the Pentecost, um, what's happening prior Um, When the Holy Spirit that he reaches back in the book of Joel to speak of uh, comes upon them in a very unique way and they speak unknown languages. It's not babbling. They're speaking unknown languages. The, the, The mystery of all this is how can those people be speaking a language in my ear and I'm understanding this? How can they? They don't know these languages and yet they're speaking my language. And there was people, there was an interpretation of it and then they understood it. It wasn't babbling. It's unknown languages. Okay, so, so what we have is he's saying, he, Jesus, has poured out what you now see and hear. Jesus is a part of that pouring out. Verse 47 of chapter 2. Part of the message. What's the content? Verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so the content we see in the book of Acts in this volume is that there was a pouring out upon the people and that the church was, was, was experiencing addition through conversion, not through people coming from another church, through conversion. I mean, this is a novel idea, isn't it? That people are getting saved and, and, and they, they, that's how the church is growing? 
I'm being a little facetious there. I hope you get that. The Lord added to their number daily. It's an amazing thing that was going on. Chapter 3, verse 16. More of the contents. Chapter 3, verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Part of the message is that it's Jesus, in Jesus' name. It's the faith that comes through him that he's given this. So we see more of the content. It's in Jesus' name. We see that again in chapter 4, verse 10. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazareth. We see it again in chapter 4, verse 29, that even leads to um, them being enabled to speak boldly the word of God. Kind of going through quickly here. I want to get to this next section. But I want you to see the content. What's the content? What was not preached through the book of Acts? Okay, um, well, what was not preached is what Jesus preached and taught. Not that you don't see the parables and they expand on the parables. You don't see other lessons of the Sermon on the Mount and they flesh that out some more and they talk about the Sermon on the Mount. They don't draw from Jesus' teaching and then say, we're going to expand on it. We're going to talk more on what Jesus what taught. That's, that's not what their message was. They didn't reminisce about Jesus' life. You don't see that in the book of Acts. You don't see, wow, remember that day when we, they might have done this, but it was not recorded for us in the volume. But they didn't reminisce about Jesus' life. Remember that day when we were walking by the boat and Jesus all of a sudden started talking about this and that? Yeah, I remember that. And they reminisce. It's not recorded for us in this volume. Jesus said, you don't need that. That's not the main point. They were looking at the present. They were looking at the future. What was preached? What was preached? By the way, the word preached um, is the idea of preaching to outsiders. Um, God's message, calling people to a decision of faith. That's really behind the word preached. Preaching to outsiders, like kind of evangelism is the word that's used often. Uh, it's, it's calling people to a decision. You see that a lot in the book of Acts. It says, it says in chapter 5, verse 42, day after day they never stop teaching and proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. What did they preach? They preached the kingdom. Jesus preached, excuse me, Jesus preached the kingdom. The church preached Jesus. Jesus preached the kingdom. The church preached Jesus, the exalted Lord in his name. What he poured out. That salvation's found in no one else. No other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's what they preached. They preached Jesus. It's a good word for us today. It's a good word for us today. There's so many things that we can speak on. There's so many things we can talk about. Let's get back to what the early church talked about, and that was just preach Jesus. It always has to start there. There's, there's more to talk about because we have the letters And what that means in our daily life, yes. But let's never forget that we need to preach Jesus. And in our witnessing, preach Jesus. Now, I don't want to hit on this next section as much as I thought I was going to because I just don't have the time. Uh, You have a lot of verses there. Um, You can look at those as it looks at the summary of the message. It speaks of God the Creator. It speaks of Jesus being righteous and But I do want you to notice that the scope, this is under the section of all those passages, Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5, you see all those? The scope 
of their message was all the nations. It was all the nations. The pervasive personality, you don't have that written in, but you can write in the words pervasive personality in their message was the Holy Spirit. Was the Holy Spirit. And just as we can say it's the acts of Jesus, we can equally say it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have in the book of Acts. Acts of whom? Well, Acts of Jesus. What he began and taught was carried on, but it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what we see throughout this book. He's the pervasive personality. We see it in chapter 4, verse 31. We see it in chapter 5, verse 32. We see it in chapter 7, verse 51 and 55, and so on and so forth. Pervasive personality was the Holy Spirit living in them and empowering them. What was the driving force in their message? Go back to me, with me to Acts chapter 2. We've been singing about it. And not trying to be um, too critical here. But sometimes in sharing the, the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel as we know it, we kind of tag this part on. That's, oh, by the way, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're lost. You need a Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior. You die on the cross for your sins. He took away your sins. He paid the penalty for your sins. Oh, by the way, he, he, he rose from the dead. No, there's no by the way. There's no message without that. And the book of Acts reminds us. I, I, mean, I was going through some of these verses and it reminded me that the focus was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, of course it was. That's the last thing they remembered. But that's what the pervasive uh, message was. All oh, That's a driving force was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not a tag on. <laughs> Without it, we have no story. We have nothing to share. If he had, what's it say in, in Paul say in Corinthians? Um, if, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, what do we do? We might as well go eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. Let's keep it in our message, okay? It's, it's very, very significant. You know that. Just a reminder, though. Acts chapter 2, 14 and following. Um, in the explanation of the tongues in 14 through 21, we have the Old Testament prophecy of Joel. But in, chapter, in verse 22 through 24, I want us to see that in chapter 2. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was the man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And so God raised him from the dead. You notice here that he says, you know, um, you with, with the help of wicked men put him to the death by nailing him to the cross. You know, that's not a very seeker sensitive message, but that's the way it is. And Jesus came out with it and told him, you're responsible for this. I'm not holding back. 
Peter didn't, didn't pull any punches here. And so God raised him from the dead. That's the thrust of their message. We see the response of the message. What is it we shall do? Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the driving force, the message was the resurrection of Christ. How should people respond to that? Repent and be baptized. Don't make it more complicated than it ought to be. I'm speaking to myself. Now, I want to talk about the unity and progress here. Unity and progress, the link to the Gospels really is Acts chapter 1, verse 1, as we've already seen. But here's, let me just fill in some blanks here for you. The good news of the message is rooted in the facts of the Gospel. The good news of the message is rooted in the facts of the Gospel. Acts is based on the facts of the Gospel and Jesus' post-resurrection teaching. You recall, remember in Luke 24, verse 47, uh, on the road um, to, to Emmaus, he, and he came across, uh, uh, I think there was two disciples, and they were talking with him, and, 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 and Jesus, it says there, that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Remember that? Well, what would that mean to open their minds to understand the scripture? What was it that Jesus used in speaking to those two men on the road to Emmaus there when, after his resurrection? Well, he would have drawn back from the promise and the law and the prophets and the poetic books and says, this is what scriptures all pointed to. They pointed to me. And he took the time to explain to them all that it was written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. And he told them all that, but he went back to the Old Testament to point them to this, I'm the person that that's speaking about. There's the unity. The message is clear. They knew what they were going to preach. They heard it. We had to preach that this is the Christ who will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. That's the message they were to preach, not anything else. It was very clear. And then Acts 1.8 shows the continued fulfillment of the promise through the spread of the gospel. And that's really the nature of this volume. Don't have time to look at all of it, but we know it anyway of how it starts in Jerusalem and then it goes out and it goes out and it goes out. Remember? Starts in Jerusalem, goes to Judea, goes out to Samaria, goes to the ends of the earth. Just keeps spreading. And that's the fulfillment of the promise. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, you're going to be blessed, Abraham, and all the nations through you are going to be blessed. Well, how would they be blessed? Jesus Christ. That's how they'd be blessed. That's how all nations, that's the blessing. There's no greater blessing than that, than, than to know Jesus Christ and what he did for them. That's the blessing. And so this ever-widening population is linked back to the Old Testament prophecy and just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. And it goes to an ever-widening audience. And so the shows, Acts 1-8 shows the continual fulfillment of the promise through the spread of the gospel. Do we have all the blanks there that we need? That's all, it's all what it's about, you know. Got to fill those in. How are we doing? The method... Should be obvious, and then we'll get to the response. The method is very obvious. In Acts, God's message is proclaimed by one word, witnesses. 
witnesses. So the word martis, which is martyr, um, which is give yourself for something. That's behind the word uh, witness, is you're a martyr. But not just necessarily um, dying, though that was often the case, but you give yourself to something, for something, for a cause. That's a martyr. That's being a witness. I give myself for something. I read about a guy who prayed this prayer every morning. He said, Lord, if you want me to witness to someone today, please give me a sign to show me who it is. And one day he found himself on a bus when a big, burly man sat next to him. The bus was nearly empty, but this guy chose to sit right next to his pray, this praying friend. The timid Christian anxiously waited for a stop so he could exit the bus. He wanted to get out of here. But before he could get very nervous about the man next to him, the big guy burst into tears and began to weep. He then cried out with a loud voice, I need to be saved. I'm a lost sinner and I need the Lord. Won't somebody tell me how to be saved? And he turned to this Christian who had prayed, Lord, show me, give me a sign on who I'm to witness to. And he said, show me how to be saved. And the believer immediately bowed his head and prayed, Lord, is this a sign? (laughs) I don't think it gets any clearer than that. But you know what? Think about that for a moment. We pray, God, give me an opportunity to be a witness for you today. And we, we go by this person standing over there who needs some help, and we go, Lord, just show me. Give me an opportunity to be a witness today. Lord, give me an opportunity. We go by someone in the store that you're obviously distraught. Lord, give me an opportunity to be a witness for you today. Give me a sign. <laughs> They're around, and that's what we see when we go through the book of Acts. If you haven't done that in a while, I challenge you to. The witnesses here... Uh, made and took any occasion to deliver their message. As they were going, they carried out Jesus' command. While they were going, they took every and any occasion to deliver their message. We see that in Peter, in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 39, he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He took advantage of the situation. They thought they were all drunk. He could have said, I just let them think they're all drunk. I'm not going to bother with this. No, he stood, he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. What you're seeing here, we're not drunk, it's nine in the morning. The Holy Spirit has been poured upon us. It goes back to the book of Joel, and he gave them a little lesson right then on who Christ was, how he suffered and died for them and was raised from the dead. Peter does that, any occasion to deliver the message. Philip does it, remember in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, he took advantage of the eunuch reading scripture. He says, I don't understand what this is saying. What would you have done there? Well, I know something. You know, you really ought to call a pastor. I think he probably could help you with this. <laughs> no, he jumped in with both feet and he says, I'm going to stop. You know what this is saying? This is speaking of Christ. He was writing Isaiah 53. Doesn't get any better than that. I'm going to show you. And he walked him through it. Guy says, Sound good to me. I want to believe that. Here's some water. I want to be baptized. It's an amazing thing. We kind of go, Wow. That's cool for Philip. Wish that happened to me someday. We just kind of run through the day. People over here, they're reading things. They don't understand it. They're seeing things on TV. They don't get it. Tunnel vision. (laughs) Paul and Barnabas do it. Acts 
chapters 13 and 14. They do it in Cyprus, and, 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 and they do it in Persia, and they do Pisidian, Antioch, and Iconium. I mean, they just search for opportunities to present the gospel. They make the most of the opportunities. They take advantage of the situations. We see it in Peter. We see it in Philip. We see it in Paul and Barnabas, Acts 13. We see it in Paul and Silas, Acts 16 through chapter 17, verse 15. Paul and Silas. Macedonia, we see it in Philippi. Remember in prison? What a, I mean, that's a convicting story, isn't it, the one in prison? Could they have grumbled? Yes. Did they get a bum deal? Perhaps. Should it really turn out this way? Not from our perspective. They're trying to do what Jesus wanted them to do, and they land in jail. Oh, I, this life, I'm not going to do this again. No, they praised God. They, they sang to the Lord and the jailer went, whoa, he's something different about these two guys. I mean, it's an amazing story. Leads them to the Lord, the whole household to the Lord. It's good stuff. Paul and Silas. We see it in Paul again in Acts chapter 17, 16 through 28 in the Athens. You know, he just goes in and he takes all the idols down and, and shows them the, the idolatry. It's not a, not a very pleasant um, scene there. With Paul in Ephesus. He just, he just, he just shows them what's going on. He persuades them. He, he, he crushes their, their system of belief and shows them who Jesus Christ is. They looked for occasions to witness. That's what witnesses do. They look for occasions. Any occasion. And whatever you want to think about Philip and, and, and Peter and Paul and, and Silas and all of them... Um, and you put them way up here, one thing they had that we all have is that they have the Holy Spirit living in them. They have the risen Christ, the power of the risen Christ living in them. Don't put them up too high. We're the same place. We're in the same place. So what should be our response? Very obvious. What should be our response? Do I know Jesus? Do I belong to him? If so, witness. Witness. And the real question I have to ask is what occasions can I use and what occasions can I seek to be a witness? And I wonder how many occasions I have missed because I'm grumbling about the, my situation and how bad it's going, and I totally miss the opportunity, the occasion. Because I'm so focused on, on how my life at that moment is unfair and just stinks. And people are passing by. I think I've shared with you before, way back, way back. No excuse, but just still way back. Um, when I was uh, working at a supermarket just after I got married. And <laughs> it was kind of funny, but then it wasn't because it was really convicting. But I was working in the supermarket, and, and I was stocking this, doing this display. And as I was doing this display, it all came crumbling down, cans and bottles, and it was a mess. And, and I, remember, I remember at that moment, I was not a happy camper. Now, I'm not sure what came out of my mouth, but I know I was grumbling quite a bit. I was complaining. I was going to the Bible Institute nearby. I, I knew Jesus Christ, um, yada, 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 Okay. Display went down. I'm grumbling. I'm complaining. I'm blah, blah, picking this up. I'm just, I'm a mess. And this person walked by. 
and handed me a track <laughs> and said, this will help you. <laughs> I didn't want to say, yeah, I already know that. I just went, yeah, thank you, appreciate that. I didn't want to tell him at that point I was a Christian. It was embarrassing. But it was like, wow, wow. I'm missing the occasion to tell someone else about Jesus. They're witnessing to me. <laughs> What's wrong with that picture? Many years ago, still happens today. I'm wrapped up in my situation. Things are passing me by. I'm not this. The occasions are there. And if we pray for them in the morning, Jesus doesn't just zap them to us. He'll give us opportunities, but our eyes have to be open if we're praying for them. And God will give us the occasions because we have occasions every single day. We do. To be a witness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you um, for, for the message that you have given to us as clay vessels. We are um, fragile people, easily broken. And you, your plan is to wrap the gospel message in, in these clay vessels. And uh, it's amazing that you choose to do it that way. It's a marvelous thing that you have chosen to use us to be your witnesses. That you've, you could have saved us and just brought us right up into heaven right then. And yet in your plan, you've kept us around after we've come to salvation so that we will be the ones to open our mouths, to be the hands and the feet, to be Christ to the world. And so help us, help me, to be a witness for you. Help me not to blow it off. Help me not to, to miss the occasions that you present. That my eyes would be open. I would be aware of how at that moment in time I can show the love of Jesus Christ to that person who, who's struggling or needy or needs some explanation about something. I don't know. But I just pray that you would show us and give us the words to say and, and, and for us to remember that we have the Holy Spirit residing in us who empowers us to be a witness for you. Oh, may we then boldly speak of you and not come up with a million excuses as why we don't. Thank you for the privilege we have of partnering with you and being part of reaching the world with the hope of Jesus Christ. Go with us now as we go from here. Open up those doors. Give us the boldness that we need in our hearts. And may we speak uh, by pointing to Jesus Christ who has died and risen and lives forever and ever in our hearts. And someday we'll see him face to face. We thank you and look forward to that day in Jesus' name. Amen. You're just